back to another special episode of the Epic Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce. It's episode 158, and I'm joined on the line once again by Sneaky Pete to chat all things Magic Gathering. How are you tonight, Pete? I am great. It is great to be here again. We discovered that we have a soundboard, so if a card is really good tonight, we're going to give it a clap. If a card's really, really bad, we're going to do one of these. As I, always, as always, addition. I'm not sure if we're going to survive the air after this, but as always, um, you can find us on the lotuscouncil.com. We're on some Discord servers. We have email, we have X, we have all of the goods, and they're all in the show notes. So take a look. Okay. Thank you for joining us tonight. Bruce, what are we talking about today? Oh boy, buddy. Oh boy. We're going to start tonight off with some garbage or great. So this first card tonight, Pete, my brother, George, who's been on the show with us before, uh, was talking to me about this, and he asked me about this card. And I wasn't too sure, so I thought I'd bring it here tonight. Let's talk about it. So it's Thousand Moon Smithy from uh, Lost Caverns of Ixalan. So two white, white for legendary artifact. When Thousand Moon Smithy, Smithy enters, I want to call it Smithy, but that's hockey in me. Smithy yeah. enters the battlefield, create a white gnome soldier artifact creature token with this creature's power and toughness are equal to the number of artifacts and or creatures you control. At the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, you may tap five untapped artifacts and or creatures you control. If you do, transform Thousand Moon Smithy. So it transforms on the backside into Barracks of the Thousand. It's a legendary artifact land. Taps to add white. And whenever you mm -hmm. cast an artifact or creature spell using mana produced by Barrack of the Thousand, create a white gnome soldier artifact creature token with this creature's power and toughness equal to the number of artifacts and or creatures you control. So it turns into like making constructs, but better because they count your creatures and not just your artifact. So... Pete, I'm a little conflicted with this card. Help me understand. Is this thing good, or is this thing just just tricking us into thinking that it's good? I think it depends. So, like, it's really flexible because of the token it makes. I mean, it's not like it doesn't give it, it doesn't give it evergreen abilities, right? It doesn't give it anything beyond just being a zero zero plus x plus x. But, um. Like Urza would do that, right? It would make a construct, but then you could tap your constructs for mana, and then you could play things for free potentially. So obviously, it's not on the same level as as a four mana card that makes a construct. And then flipping it um, takes a lot of effort. I guess we talked about this before about the rate versus the stats. Because um, like if you make a yeah. three three with this four mana card, and then you can't flip it immediately, I feel like it feels kind of bad. It's very good in limited. Let's not like front here when we say that mm -hmm. it's pretty freaking good as a as a card um people realized that pretty quickly uh, when they were playing it um like in constructed and stuff not so much i don't know i wouldn't play it <laughs> I, I guess i don't see draw card or i don't see you know flying or something so mm -hmm. i uh, yeah. so i don't I really right. you know and it taps only for white so like if it tapped for another color like any man of any color like the other flip lands we've seen in the mm. past, I feel like it would be played a little bit more. Um, but if you can't flip it immediately, I feel like it just it makes a body that really could 
doesn't does like can't get through like a one one. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no trample. Yeah. It has no death touch. Whatever. But okay, let's think about this this way. Okay, so you play it. You're playing in a deck, and your turn one play is going to be. In a perfect world, you're playing a Sol Ring or you're playing a Mana Dork or something on turn one. Turn yeah. two, you're probably playing a Ramp Piece, probably a Talisman or an Arcane Signet or something. So on turn three, you're casting this. So you've got a Mana Dork or you got a or, or, or a Sol Ring. Sure. You've got a Talisman or something. So you got three or four permanents on the battlefield. And you spend four mana for a 3-3. Three, three. On turn mm-hmm. three or a four four, maybe it's a four four. Then is that good enough? Like, is that is that an impact? Most uh, like, I feel like this is like like this is not getting you what you want in the early stages of the game. Then instead of spending your time like when on turn five or four, whenever like, the next time you untap, you're going to want to try and flip this. But mm-hmm. you're going to have to tap essentially every permanent you have on the battlefield to flip this over into a land. So I'm like I'm really concerned that this is like like I can't think of a game that I've played in the last six months where I have a clear a clear open road on turn four or five with five permanents on the battlefield to tap and flip this thing. Also, like, I really, yeah. Also, like the timing of it right like you can tap it and you can tap the construct so your two out of five already is there right mm-hmm. like you have two yeah. uh permanents that you can tap immediately oh, the with timing it. restriction right but the timing restriction is probably the worst thing in my opinion about this card and i'm pretty genuous with cards i mean gen i'm pretty uh um like positive generous. with most cards yeah. generous i meant to say generous and my brain just i got it i got it i got gotcha. you yeah, yeah yeah thank you thank you we've been doing this long enough it's 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 working itself out um but yeah the timing restriction for me is weird because it's before combat like you can't do it on your yeah. main phase and then decide to go to combat and figure out what to do um it does work with a few of those cards that say like it untaps itself each turn or whatever there's like a two four in the in the set uh, that that can untap itself or whatever, um, and if you have cards that say untap stuff at the end of turn, or you can untap things uh, like Clock of Omens or Unwinding Clock or something, then maybe I would see this being a little bit better. Or if it even just made five one ones, <laughs> that would be pretty nice because you yeah. could do it immediately. I think the idea was like they wanted you to do it immediately, but you can't because of how EDH runs um, with the way we curve out with our permanents. Yeah, like yeah. Like even I'm white weenie, card. right? Even yeah. like white weenie. I don't know. I don't. Well, really I, I, yeah, I just can't. I just can't think of a game where I would have had a clear shot to to flip this on my pre combat main phase and not eat a dozen damage on the crackback just right. to flip a land that's going to make make me some dudes. Like, and it's only really going to make you one dude a turn unless you can. Like you say, you can do something pretty spicy with it where you can untap it repeatedly. I think this card isn't very good. That's what I've concluded. I think in this in, in talking about it, I think it's kind of I'm kind of off it. And my brother's my brother's pretty excited for it, but I have to admit, like I think this is probably a trap. Um, because like if you're right, you're comparing this to like Urza, like Urza's in a whole different weight class than this thing. 
Like, and that's a and that's another four mana permanent that yeah. makes mana not unlike this, but it's going to make you way more mana, way more dudes, and be far more impactful. This is going to get left and ignored, and you're gonna and you're not going to find a chance to flip it. So, mm -hmm. I think this is a bad card. Can I can I kick the horns those sad horn now? Yeah, I think you can. Yeah, sad horn time. Yeah, sorry <laughs> about that thousand th thousand moon smitties. What have you got tonight, my friend? So I have an artifact as well, but I think this is a lot better than what we just discussed because of its utility. And a lot of people have a lot of recursion nowadays, so graveyard hate is very, very premium, I would say. So anyway, to cut to the chase, this is called Not a Lloyd Ship. It is a little bit pricier than most of the cards we've discussed in the past at a whopping like $2.50. So it's like a cup of coffee. Um, it's an yeah. artifact vehicle that has flying. When it enters the battlefield, exile target player's graveyard. So you could target yourself if you wanted to. Whenever Nautilid ship deals mm -hmm. combat damage to a player, you may put a creature card exile with Nautilid ship onto the battlefield under your control, and it has crew three. This rate to me is just fantastic. But what do you think? So, okay, like, I like the enter the battlefield clause. Like, I think the ability to exile target player's graveyard is amazing. And I like the fact it gives you the flexibility to zap your own if you need to. Like, if you've got something scary in there and one of your opponents has got uh, an active reanimation deck where they've got the virtue of persistence of the battlefield or they've got something that's going to go get that scary thing from your yard, pfft, no. You can nuke mm -hmm. your own yard the way we go. Um, four mana for a flying like vessel, it seems good to me. Um... And you can then rig, like, you can what is it? use ship deals combat damage to a player. You may put a creature card exile with Nautilus ship onto the battlefield under control. So you got you get a way to re use all those all those cool creatures that you just zapped in your yard. So yeah. I think this is like you know the only part about it that I'm skeptical about is the is the crew three because that is a real cost. Um. I mean, I know we have lots of creatures in the format, but if you were to go look back through many of the most popular creatures played in the format, they're one and two mana creatures. Like, sorry, one and two power creatures because they're mana dorks or they're eternal witnesses and they're solemn simulacrum and things of that nature. Meaning, through three is a real cost. You're putting, probably using having to use two bodies to crew it um, to get the desired effect. I'm not saying that's going to deter me and slow me down, but there may be decks that are looking to utilize their resources differently, and this may not suit their game plan. I think a colorless, arti a colorless artifact that has this effect um, is going to, by and large, be something most people are looking for. Uh, so I think this, I'm pretty high on this one. I think this is a good good deck, a good inclusion. At $2.50, it means you skip your, your Starbucks coffee, and mm -hmm. you're probably, you know, you could probably go pick it up after work. Um, I'm I'm in. I think it's good. I'm uh, I'm prepared to to sign on board. Uh, and what other thoughts did you have going through? Like, you obviously had some sort of play in mind with this. Like, what were you thinking specifically about this one? I'm thinking about like that rare game when it goes very very long, um, or the person is super greedy with their graveyard because a lot of this happened to me recently with um, people using their graveyard to very great effect to just blow people out. Um, even if you don't get to play any of the creatures, you're still getting rid of a resource completely for four mana of any color. 
and yeah. the, the 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 vehicle has evasion so you're hitting people for five in the air it's pretty hefty after a while to keep getting hit by that um yeah. i think that it punishes people for being too aggressive with their strategies um and then i don't know i mean i would honestly just play it as graveyard hate in a deck that required me to attack anyway because swinging again for for that amount of damage in this game is not to be looked at lightly and the fact that it's from Baldur's gate i feel like people have slept on that set long enough that they're starting to realize some of the cards in the set are very very good mm-hmm. uh, this being printed at mythic and the potential to what if you barely play any creatures like here's the other example maybe you're playing a few combo creatures that you want to get back um and this is a way to get them back then this is a creative way to like do that um I don't know. I feel like I haven't seen this enough to play to really see the impact beyond what it says on the card. Because you know how like you play a card and you think it's good, and it just doesn't mm-hmm. really work out the way you want it to, so it becomes one of those 101 cards or 110 cards out of 100 cards. So, I don't know. I feel like it'd be fun for me to see this being played against me, just to see how it would work. And especially if like I was playing a deck that cared about the graveyard and they stole one of my really premium creatures, I'd be like, that's really cool <laughs> that they did it that way. So yeah, I uh, think I think you would find if they, like for instance, like someone plays against your Rutstein deck, you'd be like pretty disappointed because um, it, <laughs> it it would do a good number again, like cur- curtailing your graveyard shenanigans and yeah. derailing you. I know if I played my Sidisi Brew Tyrant deck that's looking to actively mill things into my graveyard, I'd be really disappointed if my graveyard got nuked, um, and then turned into a giant flying beater so i think as well you can do this multiple times because it does it says um whenever not a lloyd ship deals combat damage you may put a creature card exiled with not a lloyd ship on the battlefield under your control i don't think it cares about which not a lloyd ship sees it per se but i have to double I think check you're correct rules. yeah so, so like, i think if this, so if you flicker it and you now have a new not a lloyd ship that next exiled a second player's graveyard and then attack with it on your because you've given it haste somehow. Mm-hmm. You could you could get any creature that and not that a nautiloid ship. That's how I read it too. We'll have to go ask a judge. Um, but I mean, I think there's good potential there too um, to get a lot of whole variety of targets. Really, so mm-hmm. um, I'm pretty I, I'm pretty interested in this one. It's one that I haven't given a lot of thought to until you picked it to talk about it. But I think it's something that I probably underrated and is probably worth revisiting. Yeah, um, and for this one, because we're uh, we're sort of a split on the fence, I'm going to just do this instead of the clap here. Okay, so I think <laughs> uh, just, just a nice quack works pretty good for me. All right. I, I like that. <laughs> I like the quack. I like the quack for cards around the fence. We can't, so we we can't overdo it. <laughs> we, can't over, we can't overdo this each week. Well, but, I, mean, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm always for a good duck quack, so uh, that's always <laughs> fine by me. All right. Let's we got one more card here. This card is interesting. Um only because nobody's ever heard of it. So this is laser screwdriver, which makes me laugh. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. three mana artifact, tap, add one mana of any color. So you're getting a manolith. All right, one and a tap, tap target artifact. Okay. So I'm not sure why you'd want to do that, but you could do that. Two taps, surveil one, got my attention now. That's like better scry. I'm in three tap go target creature. Um, 
I'm so I get to have a mana rock. I get to have something that taps down problematic artifacts. So you know, like that pesky you know blaze steel colossus is coming for you. Coil engine, one coil engine yeah. as well. Yeah, I just uh, no, I'm not gonna. Then you're not gonna do that to me. Heck, even that problematic Alibu. That Alibu card that's gonna come at you and burninate <laughs> your debt, your your board state. Alibu gets tapped. So I'm pretty okay with like that ability. Uh, surveil one, I'm pretty down for it. Uh, and then goading creatures. Um, anytime you can mess with combat, make something attack, and definitely not attack you. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty down. So I like this card. Uh, it's forty-two cents. It's out of the Doctor Who product um, that was came that came out a few weeks ago, um, or maybe a month ago now. I think I'm pretty on board. I think this card is. It starts to hit the enough notes as some versatility and flexibility mm -hmm. as a three mana mana rock. That as much as I don't like three mana mana rocks. This would be one I'd be prepared to play because it has additional utility beyond just being a mana rock. And I like and I like all the extra modes on it. I'm gonna say I'm thinking about uh I'm thinking about timing. So like with this card, you could totally go to the beginning of your combat, go to creature, like someone's combat phase, right? They go to their beginning mm -hmm. of the combat, you go to creature or you tap down a like a, a like a dork that's an artifact, um, or even tapping down treasures might actually be decent to mess with people's second main phase, um, in that sense. Or like so a lot of people I know play liquid metal coating, so they'll turn something into an artifact and then you could tap it down as well, which seems like oh yeah not a, not a terrible way to go about things, um, if you especially if you can untap things and tap things down. Yeah. Um, just the utility of the card is neat. Like, it's it's very weirdly enough Doctor Who for me. I think I wasn't a huge fan of the series, but I like the concepts uh, explored in the show. So mm. I don't know, jolting Agreed. somebody with a screwdriver to me is kind of funny thing to think about, like during a game. So, so uh, are you giving it a give it a quack? Yeah, because we again we haven't seen it in action yet. We're like the other cards we've either seen in action or just we think are downright bad. So I think we can safely do this. And there we go. On. Duck quack. <laughs> Duck quack time. All right. Okay. Up next, we have got something that we wanted to talk about. And I think a laser screwdriver is actually a pretty good indicative or indicative card for something that you and I both value. And I think is probably underrepresented in the in the game, right? There what being, we so what, what, what? Well, I like screwing with my opponents, and I have learned that many of my opponents really like to play value creatures where they don't want to put them in combat. I oh. like goad because goading makes them have to go into combat, and to me, that brings a warm smile to my face. Makes me feel warm in the belly that they have to turn their value creatures sideways and swing yep. and make them go to combat so let, let me tell you let me tell you a quick let me tell you a quick story okay oh so we're about with Pete. this okay. exact shh, situation shh, so story time with Pete. so we had a guy i played with a, this was several months maybe a year ago and he played a deck with toxeril in it okay Ooh. and i was playing a tokens deck and it was Ooh. kind of sad but he tried to flash toxeril in 
and then uh, do something at the, like before combat started. But I already already declared combat, and he couldn't cast spells during combat. So mm-hmm. we had a little argument, and I ended up killing him on the crackback in that same combat phase. Um, when Marisi did work in that, which is probably the most famous goad creature that we've had besides like Grenzo, back when we you know started playing this format, right? Like Marisi was one of the most annoying cards to deal with because of the you deal combat damage to your opponents. Now all your creatures have to attack, um, and they can't attack the person who dealt damage to you just that just, just that turn. So I I I, I like to reward uh, you know control players by making them forcibly swing into bad situations too Mm -hmm. and i think i think incentivizing combat in general in edh we've talked about this before is is a great way to speed up the game and also make the game more interesting because combat is a huge part of this game that we love so i think i agree with you 100 percent, pete because i think we oftentimes commander players are prone to trying to get too cute with their deck construction. And mm-hmm. so sometimes just forcing them to make the creatures turn sideways is um, really, really useful because they haven't put a lot of creatures designed to attack in their deck and they're using value creatures of mana dorks and all this stuff. And now they have to attack. And presumably you're putting them in a, you're doing this and you're putting them in a bad spot. Um, the other thing I also like is that lots of people in Commander like to use their life total as a resource to draw cards to do other goofy things. And so having stuff like goad and forced combat mechanics that are going to pressure life totals is ultimately very positive because it means that they're going to have just not have that much life to play with when they go to, to do something, whether it's ad nauseum or they go to try and use that greed they have set, sitting on the battlefield or whatever other card like, ability they have to try and turn their life their life total into a resource and so you know pressuring people's life totals you can't do it all yourself and if your opponents aren't inclined to get attacking well you could fix that with some some forced combat mechanics and i'm a big fan um it's it's kind of a great way to equalize and force players who've got combo pieces to go put them in risk at risky situations and get them get them dead so I'm a big fan. I really like this as a mechanic. I have a deck premised around force combat, um, and I and people have often lamented the fact that they don't like to play it because it really changes the, how they conceptualize how they have to play the game. By compelling them to attack all the time, whether it's me or somebody else, they are, they're really... There's a lot of consternation, and they're like, how exactly do I do this? My deck doesn't want to doesn't want to go to combat, and now I have to. So I think mm-hmm. it does a really good disruptive piece there too. Um, and I kind of like I kind of like the nature of goad because it's often attached to it a creature or an effect that once it's triggered, it's there isn't a lot of value in removing the target, right? So like you know, jeering homunculus, which is a hilarious little card from. Yep. Um, I forgot what set it is. I think it's from ba- Battle Bond. It's Battle Bond, yeah, I believe. Yeah, and it's just a funny little, funny little blue card that comes into play and goads something. And Sorry, all it's of from sudden, Conspiracy. Same, same uh, block, but it's from same Conspiracy. Block. 
So they get they they end up compelled to attack now, and like them using their piece of removal on a jeering homunculus is kind of a waste of time. So, um, kind of a fan of the whole the whole thing anyway. So, um, it just makes people really have to think twice about going to combat. Yeah, I mean, I get frustrated. I've I, I've I've called friends out before, uh, and I've called players out before for not attacking each turn if they have the ability to it it really upsets me when someone has a really massive board state beyond the other players and instead of like at least splitting up the damage or doing something to speed the game up they're like i'm just going to sit back with my army of tutus and instead of hitting each of us for like six or eight damage because they're afraid of like people killing a few of their tokens they continue to sit back and then you laugh when you play a board wipe and then they're sad because they didn't take advantage of their board state at the time. So I guess what we're trying to say is overall combat is a very useful place to uh, create a lot of good advantage for you as a player. It's why magic has this phase beyond other card games where the combat phase is not as complex with the way it's worded and the way it runs. Um, yeah, I don't know. We, we've seen a lot of these cards that reward players for attacking, but we haven't seen much recently, I feel like, when it comes down to the design mechanics. Uh, like, It's more like, like Akeem Patel is that new card that says whenever you attack, make a bunch of gnomes that are tapped and attacking, but it only just spirals out of control for you, and it doesn't really incentivize anybody else from trying mm. to deal with you. Because um, if you have such a big board state already... And and uh, you you're basically just making a billion tokens very fast. It I bet you like your opponents are like, well, how am I supposed to even win with combat? I I probably should try to get my combo pieces out first to stop you. Yeah. So I think yeah. I don't like the way we're going with certain um, like way like we're disin we're incentivizing people to go as fast as possible with the as much tokens as they can create, which I don't think is ideally the design. That combat should be all the time in every single game that we play. But that's another right. conversation for another time. Yeah, um, little little sneaky peek at what we're gonna talk about another another <laughs> week. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. no, um, yeah. the uh, yeah, I think you're absolutely right there. That there's you know the, the benefits. Like I think there's a lot of benefits to attacking. The combat step is not scary. Yeah, it does. Sometimes it doesn't necessarily have a lot of impact in a pod. If your opponents are set up to, to defend, um, it may not have the impact you want, or it may lead to political dealings that you had anticipated because yeah. you compelled player A to attack, and he and player B make a deal now because you know there's like they could backfire in your face because mm -hmm. now they're making a deal that excludes you, and you're like, oh geez, this could be bad here because they both agree that like T Swift. You're the problem. It's me. Um, I'm. I'm going <laughs> well to do done. the thing. Um, so yeah. Well, you know, I try. To try. But um, right, but uh, so yeah. No, I think uh, I think the whole uh, you know p potential to have it backfire is fairly modest on the whole, and I think it ultimately results in a lot of fun experiences because it does something kind of wacky and unexpected to the board state, which. If we're looking to generate positive memories and fun fun experiences, well, 
you know, putting creatures that don't normally go into combat into combat is often pretty silly looking. Like, oh, I have to attack Pete with my Birds of Paradise because that's what I have to do. Mm-hmm. Nuts. And then, you know, you get to you get to eat it with, you know, a giant demon. Because <laughs> that's kind it doesn't of funny. Ha- it doesn't ha- happen very often, though, I feel like, because most people who have those activated abilities will just tap them. But it would be cool oh, to have a sure. card that... It'd be cool to have a card that says, you know, creatures with activated abilities have to attack each turn. Like, something that would just mess with a bunch Ooh, of... Yeah! You know, a bunch of cards that, that we see that kind of turtle a little bit more than they... Mm-hmm. Like, it's a, it's it can be frustrating when... Um, players have like a billion cards like creatures on the field but they're not attacking every turn because they're all like they're not meant yeah. to go to combat their deck is a combo deck or something yeah yeah it's interesting I, to see i think it's 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 good and there's lots of other and i, I want to stress folks we're not just talking about the goad mechanic there's other cards out there that as we called it forced combat because cards like Thantis have a forced combat mode on it which people do not like um, Biden of Thassa is surprisingly nasty about it. Um, Brain of the Demagogue, Carter, um, uh, Brutal Horde Chief. There's a bunch of these cards that have got abilities that force your opponents into attacking situations. So it's not just think, don't, if you're looking to put together a deck that utilizes this mechanic, you don't just have to go and look up cards that have goad. There's lots of cool cards out there that are kind of obscure. Um, I don't think I've ever seen Brutal Horde Chief get played in a game of Commander, but it's got a really potent effect. Uh, and if you're not familiar with it, I suggest you go and check it out on Scryfall and uh, find out for yourself what a Brutal Horde Chief does. Um, but yeah, I, I'm a big fan of of, of, inf- of influencing and, and, and forcing the, the combat phase uh, to be more relevant. I think it's ultimately beneficial for the game. And we think you should be doing more of it, don't we, Pete? Yeah, and then by extension, um, I've heard of players uh, that I play with in discords and stuff. They they make decks that are like they're like lure decks. So basically, they force you to block, which I think is also fun because you're basically forcing trades, which would happen normally anyway in like a limited and constructed format in sixty card. Mm-hmm. So I do enjoy that that sort of strategy where it's like this creature must be blocked if able. Or all creatures blocking must block this creature or whatever. Um, and I think that also creates a nuance in the game that we are missing sometimes. When we like I've been on the end of it where I literally cannot cannot block or like it just can't there's nothing profitable for me to block. So I'm taking like twenty damage each turn because I'm unable to actually block. So yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. I think I think we should see more of it. And uh not to digress, but I think um, looking at it in a budget perspective, it also f- makes the game a little bit more fair for people uh, if they're under a, a, con- a specific uh, constraint. So, yeah. yeah, not wrong. So, all right, I like it. Good conversation. I like that one. And uh, so, folks, go look for forced combat. You'll you you will you will be appreciative, and your opponents will not like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good times. All right. Segment three, we're going to have a magical third segment here, Pete, our, for our third segment tonight, because up to this point, we have talked almost nothing about cards from Lost Caverns of Ixalan. Yeah. So let's take some time. We've had a chance to process a little bit what's going on in the set. Um, 
and there's some cards that I'm sure you and I are both kind of excited about. Um, and so today would be a good opportunity for us to talk about something that gets us kind of get the juices, the old juices going, gets us excited, um, and something that we want to build on, on the go forward. Um, so, Pete, what sort of like, is there anything that caught your eye from the set that you know you're saying, boy, oh boy, that looks like a fun commander? Um, I think I can do it for keep it you know pretty budget friendly, so our audience can get into it too. Um, like what, what sort of caught your eye? It's tough. Cause like we had agreed originally to do the same commander and just build it differently. But I guess when I start deck building in general, and we'll talk about this uh, like, uh, another time too, but the way we look at a card, um, like I wanted to do a hundred, a hundred dollars. I thought that was a nice challenge for us both. Uh, cause we are a budget friendly channel. I like this uh, Zawoya deck that I built in like 15, 20 minutes because he he's like pretty good in limited, but like in commander, it's very, uh, very like a stipulation. It's, it's very difficult to, I'd say, pull this off unless you're like, you know, playing it really quickly and you're able to cast the card really fast to punish your opponents. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like Descend as a mechanic. I've always liked to discard and draw cards in games and rip through my deck, and I love Rakdos as a color combination. So uh, I tried to build this for like 100 bucks. Uh, I think I succeeded regarding the value that it could create mm-hmm. as a deck. And if uh, our audience is not familiar, but... So Woya has Death Touch as a 2-2. At the beginning of your end, if you descended this turn, each opponent may discard a card or sack a permanent. Um, Zawoya deals three damage to each opponent who didn't. So it's a fair sort of punishment sort of card that uh, punishes your opponents for being a little bit greedy with their board state or greedy with uh, their cards in hand. So I don't know. I don't know how it would work. I know $100 is not too difficult nowadays to really pull off. Um, There's some good cards in here. Bone Miser's probably the best card. Uh, Inti, I wanted to use Inti and Zawoya because I think together they're really, really strong and really good. So Inti's that mono red card that, you know, discard a card, exile the top card. You can play it till your next end step or next end of turn or whatever. And it gives something trample and buffs a creature. So originally it would have been easier to do that, but I didn't want to do just one color. I figured doing a two color deck would be more fun. So <laughs> no, the long I, and the short I, I mean, I like this. I like this list there you got here, Pete. Um, you know, I mean, audience will although the show notes will have the lists um, available to you, so you guys can check it out for yourself and see what, if you're interested in a Zoyoa deck um, or some sort of Black Descend deck. You can definitely get a handle on this and sort of see what direction Pete took it. Um, there's some really interesting cards. Um, like like Glinthorn Buccaneer is a surprisingly interesting card because. Uh, the natural synergy it has with Zoyoa, um, because when people start discarding cards and you start being able to deal damage, and that seems good to me. Um, but yeah, no, I think the the thing the deck's pretty cool, very sweet. Um, some cards I haven't seen before, like I'm having to read them now, like from the catacombs. I'm not familiar with. Oh yeah, we talked about that just the other week. <laughs> from the yeah. catacombs. Um, Chain reaction. Oh, that's kind of spicy. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I think I'm a I'm a fan. I think this looks really nice. It's really interesting. Um, some of the cards I haven't seen before, like Decaying Time Loop, I haven't seen that card at all. Um, but that seems pretty pretty neat. So yeah, no, I think this looks like a fun deck. I think Zoyoa is an interesting commander. I've played it on Arena for in limited, and it was surprisingly impactful there. So I'd be quite happy to give it a try here. Um, you know, you might be you might find that you can't play it against the biggest boys, but you could play a you know, you could play if you're if everyone's brought a hundred a hundred dollar hundred dollar deck to the table tonight, you could probably play it, no trouble. Huh? Anyway, it looks good. I'm gonna be honest, like so Zoyoma looks cool, but I was my eyes returned somewhere different. I'm not gonna lie. So I was interested in Sahili, the sun's brilliance. I think this card is sweet. So Sahili Sun, the Sun's Brilliance is red and a blue for a 2-2. Legendary creature, human artificer. Red, blue, tap. Create a token that's a copy of another target creature or artifact you control. Except it's an artifact in addition to its other types. It gains haste. Sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. And so you get, like, essentially you're getting Sahili's copy an artifact or a fact from that that was existed on the other three iterations of Sahili, three or four iterations, enough iterations of copies of her. And that always results in some pretty funny shenanigans. Now, I also had the privilege of trying to play this in a limited game and had surprisingly good effect um, in playing it. But, um, you know, you're going to make copies of all sorts of things that just have really powerful... Uh, end of the battlefield triggers. So my favorite is like things like combustible gear Hulk. Making okay. copies of that is like my favorite thing in the whole wide world. Um, but you're gonna get like meteor golem or mere battle spheres and like all those extra mirror tokens. Those stick around. Yeah. Um, I was playing a game with uh, Sahili's best friend Brudeclad. Sorry, that's how a friend of mine always says it. He always says it with yeah. a big thick Scottish accent. <laughs> so when Brudeclad came down and made copies of everything, and so you could like make Sahili make a copy of something, and then Brudeclad makes all your other tokens a copy of whatever other thing you want to do. And boy, oh boy, did it get silly! Um, because I made copies of like a five five, I think it was. No, it was a mere battle sphere. I had eight copies of mere battle sphere on the table, <laughs> and I could tap all the mirrors and do all the damage, and it was like. I win because that was super cool. So um, <laughs> I like Sahili for that same sort of effect. But there's some other interesting cards in here that are like surprisingly potent. Um, Reckless Fireweaver is a common that people don't talk a lot about. But if you're an artifact deck, yep. you should very, not very be discount. Yeah, you don't very, discount very Reckless Fireweaver. <laughs> um, it is very, very strong. I think um, Thought Monitor is another one making copies of Thought Monitors that draw you he heaps and heaps of cards. Yeah. Seems good. Um, but on top of it, folks, you're having lots of artifacts. Unwinding Clock is your friend. And so is Intruder Alarm. Intruder Alarm is kind of busto in this sort of list. And yep. you're going to untap Sahili. You're going to want to get extra uh, opportunities to untap her and do gross things. And you're going to giggle all the way to the bank. Um, do I think this deck is actually fast enough to win? Probably not. 
But boy, oh boy, am I going to have fun making tokens and stuff and doing something silly with it. So this is this is really um, just Jaxus with the upside because it has blue, and um, you can do it at any time. You can do it at any time. So like when I was trying to build this earlier, um, I got frustrated because I'm like, there's so many good things I could put into this deck. So my my brain just was like, right, let's just do something else. <laughs> let's just do something else. Um, because there's so many you could do combos with this with this card. Like uh there's a lot of loops you can do where artifacts hit the graveyard and they untap something, or when artifacts enter, you untap something. Um there's a card that you might find interesting that's a three drop, it's a one-four, and it says whenever you cast an artifact, untap target. I think it's untap tar target permanent. It's mirror and spy is the card. Mirror and spy. It's a 19 cent card. Whenever you cast an artifact spell, you may untap target creature. It's a 1 3 flying drone. So, like, you could realistically play like a lotus petal, and then you could uh, make a copy of it, and then you could untap mm. with Mirin, untap Sahili. And if you have Emery out, you can basically go infinite with lotus petal. But that's a different, that's a different story. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of. Yeah, for sure stuff going on but um i like the, the list that you made um there's a few other artifacts that i would have included too like um there's mycosynth uh there's a mycosynth two drop that is basically like the icker wellspring mycosynth wellspring yes. which is for a land puts it into your hand or whatever um chromatic star there's uh the aether there's the the one drop artifact spell bomb that bounces something back to hand if you sacrifice it yeah yeah there's a lot of really good cards you can put in this deck what, for not a lot of money, which is nice. What about what about this? How does this sound to you? Sahili copying Ariat's Tempting Apple repeatedly. Is that a legendary? Uh, it is, but, <laughs> but you get just, the effect, right? You get the effect until end of yeah. You could just steal everything; it's fine. <laughs> that sounds like so. Or how about Coveted Jewel? Come on, buddy. Tell me you're not in for that. Coveted jewel for days? Come on. <laughs> that sounds like so much fun. Or like um, there's tons of red creatures that when they enter, they steal a creature until end of turn that you could play in this oh, list. Yeah. Um, you could run Warstorm Surge. You could run Terror of the Peaks if you have the money for that busted busted card. Um, there's <laughs> or, so many or, things you could do with her is what we're trying to say. Know, and, very and, flexible. And, because you're, and because you're playing so many artifacts, Storm the Vault legitimately turns into Tolarian Academy. Like it's That's like you, yeah. like it's so like people don't talk enough about um about uh, storm the vault, but the card is so silly. If you can flip it and turn it into a Tolarian Academy, like Tolarian Academy is banned in Commander because it's broken in two. Sure, yeah. this is not nearly as good on the as the same same level as if you could get a Tolarian Academy. Tell me, tell me, there's nothing else you'd rather do with your life. Like, come on now, let's have tap, tap for a million blue mana. Yes, please. So, you know, I think the deck's pretty sweet. There's some really interesting things you can do. I tried to keep all my card selections at five bucks or less. That's so what nothing, I think. I think, mm -hmm. I think the most expensive card in here was Illusionist Bracers. And I decided, like, that card in this is suitably um, and expensive, like, useful with the Sahili because it doubles the, 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 the trigger. And that to me was worth it, but that's the only card in the list that costs more than five bucks. And you know you're going to get 
you know, you, you sit down to play at a, at a card night with your friends, and this has got to have a strategy. This has got a game plan, and it's a pretty good one. And uh, you're going to have a lot of fun. You're going to have a lot of giggles and laughs because you're going to you're going to do something silly on the table, and your friends are probably going to enjoy the experience, whether they win or not. But they're going to see something silly happen, and then sometimes that's worth it. That's all you need to do. Just have something, do something silly. Yeah, I don't like that's what I got. That's what I got tonight. And list will be in the show notes, folks. And I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. Let me know. Go to our Moxfield account and look for uh, look for my budget Sahili list and see for yourself. <laughs> yeah, and then well, my list will be added on there too, uh, eventually as well. Um, I've, I probably might even go back and change a few cards just because thinking more about how I want to enable uh, Zawoya. Um, yeah, I don't know, Bruce. I love artifact decks like the next guy, but I guess because I've built so many over the years, I just kind of get turned off from the whole strategy, unless it's like unconventional warfare like Rutstein or Glunch or something. Mm. Yeah. Where it's like I'm That's giving fair. out artifacts for a price or whatever. I like Sahili though as a card. I think it's neat, and it does something a little bit different than what we've seen in the past with it as a commander, where it's mostly like spell slinging or something or caring about instant yeah. sorceries. This card it screams more of like a I can build this casually and still have a lot of fun with my friends um, beyond playing it super oppressively or comboy or something like that. So we're yeah. all here for it yeah. because. It's cheap, right? It's a dollar or something. And uh, and Zoya 2 is like 20 cents. But again, there's always... We're going to talk about this in the future, coming up, actually. Just the state of the format and like the the way decks are becoming more streamlined. Um, so mm-hmm. like we did this with 100 bucks. You could do this with $300 and the deck could probably hang with the best of them. You know what I mean? So Yeah, I, I would agree. You, you, could find, you can upgrade a number of your pieces... Uh, better interaction, some better, some better artifacts that, that have better effects. You can do a lot of really gross things um, and get into some really cool stuff. So I agree, fully, fully agree. All right, Pete, I think I've said all I need to say. Did anything, anything else you want to add on before we uh, send these good people home? I think we're just gonna probably have a like a more reflective. A uh, few episodes coming up as we get to the next uh, new year. I feel like it's good always end the year with more of a, on a reflective note about things we've enjoyed, things we haven't enjoyed, things that have been crazy <laughs> regarding the game that we really uh, invest our time and effort into. So, yeah, stay tuned yeah. for some uh, some big news from us and as well. We're trying to make some moves uh, with our with our little brand here. So. You know. Yeah, indeed. I mean, not too many episode po- podcasts get to 158 episodes and don't have much else to show for it. So we got some some ideas for the new year. So uh, stay tuned. As thanks, everybody. And uh, thanks. Have a good rest of your week. We really appreciate uh, your time. And please share us with your friends uh, and whoever else you play Magic with. We... Really appreciate everyone's support here. Uh, And yeah, see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Bye.